Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Let's start off by shouting out to some of my best friends. They represent the Bills Mafia. Bills Mafia, what's going on? And, you know, I don't mean that like my typical, yo, what up? What up? How y'all living? This time, it's literal. Like, I'm literally asking, what the hell is going on in Buffalo? More specifically, what is going on with Stephon Diggs? And what the hell is he so angry about? And why did Sean McDermott run to a microphone yesterday and very publicly hit that little fire with some gasoline? Now, I'm not saying that McDermott is in the wrong here because I don't know exactly what the problem is. I know there's a problem, but I don't know what that problem is. I am saying that his press conference yesterday was pretty surprising because if he had not gone to a podium and said the following, none of this would have mushroomed into the national story that it became. Steph is not here. Um, Everybody else is here at the current time. Oh, very concerned. Yeah, very concerned. I'm not going to get into. And listen, I respect everyone's everyone's questions and what they want to know about our team. Right now, I'm just I'm not going to get into into that anymore. So we'll talk about practice. Happy to do that. Happy to answer those questions, um, and we'll move forward from there. So, Coach, as long as you respect that everybody has a job to do, I'm sure you will respect what I'm about to say. Kind of hard to just, quote, move on to football questions when you just said that your star receiver and a team captain did not show up to a mandatory practice and that you're, quote, very concerned. Oh, very concerned. Like, we didn't really have all that many questions to begin with. There weren't that many really pressing questions until you said that. But now we have lots of questions. Suddenly, what we were prepared to ask about minicamp feels pretty meaningless by comparison. That was essentially the answer that you would throw out there if you were looking to create the maximum possible drama from whatever the hell is going on with Stephon Diggs. That's not something you say if you want to make it go away, which is pretty surprising since drama typically is not Sean McDermott's MO. In fact, drama and distraction are not any coach in any sport on any levels MO. But that response created drama and distraction. You don't want that. You especially don't want that on the highest level with a team that's got Super Bowl aspirations. So ask me, that was a really curious response by McDermott. Then things got even more bizarre when Steph's agent let it be known that Diggs is, in fact, in Buffalo and was, in fact, at the facility Monday and then again yesterday morning. Which brings us right back to where we are right now, where we started. The hell is going on there? The hell is going on? Why is Steph so pissed? About what? And I'm not blaming him. I'm just asking. Why is he so bent? Is it money? I don't think so. Wouldn't seem to be. He signed that new deal in April 2022. He's set to make Big Jack this season. So it wouldn't seem to be money. Is it football? Josh Allen says, it's not that. So if it's not money and it's not football, then what is it? Right? If it's not money and it's not football, what is it? Is it something more sordid than that? 
or is it just football? Is it the same thing that Diggs was all pissed off about the last time we saw him? When the Bills got their asses handed to them by the Bengals. And if it is that, if it is that, as we're led to believe that maybe it is that, how did everybody let this fester the entire offseason only to have it explode into a national story on the first day of a mandatory minicamp? Like, why was that not addressed sooner? Like, what are we even doing here? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? If you knew that was an issue, why was that not addressed long before now? Right, But nobody's really saying, right? So then Josh Allen was the next one to hit the podium yesterday, and he, he tried to make it better, but he didn't exactly clarify anything either. Internally, we're, we're working on some things, um, not football-related. Um, but, you know, Steph, he's my guy. I, I, excuse me, I love him. He's, he's a brother of mine. Um, you know, this does not work, what brother. we're doing here, without him. Um, you know, we, we, we wish he was in here today and um, was out there on the field with us, and that's, that's not the case. But I've got his back no matter what. Um, and, again, I, I, I've got no doubts that, that we will figure out what's going on. And um, I freaking love him. I, I can't stress that enough. No, that's pretty clear. You freaking love this guy. You love him like a brother. It just doesn't seem like right now Steph feels as close to you or the rest of the fam as you feel as close to him. But then again, I don't really know. I don't know what he's mad about because he's not saying. I just know it's something. So again, what is it? Josh said it right there. It's not a football thing. Diggs' agent is saying, he's here. It's not a money thing. So, again, if it's not a football thing and it's not a money thing, what is going on? According to Josh, maybe it's a communication thing. No, I don't think so. I think that there are some, some things that uh, could have gone better last year um, and didn't. Um, and just, you know, I think we're just, as, a, as an organization, maybe not communicating the right way um, with, with everything. So, again, just trying to talk and, and listen at the same time and, um, hear him out and, and, like I said, just try to move this forward as, as quickly and as respectfully as, you know, as possible. Um, yeah. Do you anticipate that he'll be here at all during this minicamp? I would hope so. Again, I, I, I want to I wanna get back on the same page with him. And, um, again, he makes me a better quarterback, and I feel like I make him a better receiver. I mean, the organization is not communicating the right way. What does that even mean? Just that the dude finished last season pissed off and that you guys ignored him for the last six months? Or is it something else? I mean, I could point to the cryptic tweets in the offseason, but he normally does that anyway. I don't know what it is. And I can't really speculate on what it is. I just know it's something. It's something, and it seems to me there are better ways to handle it than the way they're handling it. I'm not saying that he's right I'm not saying the Bills are wrong or vice versa. I am saying this. Pretty much everybody looks bad here. And it looks like everybody could do a much better job of handling this than they're handling this. And before you try to run up in here and say, screw Diggs. Screw this guy. 
typical wide receiver diva, pull this crap in Minnesota, pulling this crap in Buffalo. He needs to shut up and do his job. Before you do that, understand the reality is it's more complicated than that. You heard Josh Allen say it. We need this guy. And they already paid this guy. So they need to deal with whatever the problem is and hear him out because, frankly, they really don't have a choice. Moving him is not a choice because they've got pretty much no shot at winning without him. They haven't won with him. How are they going to win without him? And then on top of that, given the money they gave him, the cap hit would kill them. So you don't just move this guy out. You're not going to trade this guy. And one more thing. Again, I don't know what it's about, but I do know this. There are different rules for different dudes. And by different, I mean difference makers, game changers. And Stephon Diggs is that. I'm not taking a side. I'm just stating the obvious. Different rules for different dudes, but don't take my take for it or take my word for it. Take it from Vaughn Miller, another different dude. He would know, and he said as much. You know, there's no guy above the team, but you handle certain guys a different way. And that's just how it is. You cannot handle each and every player on this team the same way. You got all different types of personalities, and, you know, people come from different backgrounds. And that's why I feel like I am good at uh, being a, a teammate and hopefully future in the front offices. I just have a, uh, um, I just have a, you know, an instinct on how to be able to, to treat guys. You know, you treat everybody with respect, but you cannot treat everybody the same. And Steph is a, is a proven player um, in this league, on and off the football field. When it's time for him to show up, he'll be here ready to go. I think he nailed it. I think he nailed it. You treat everybody with respect, but you cannot treat everybody the same way. And Stephon Diggs is a different dude, a different talent, and something set him off. And my point is, it seems like it was something that he must have been carrying around the entire offseason. Why was this not addressed sooner? Are you going to tell me he just showed up pissed off out of nowhere? That that just happened right then? No, that should have been addressed, whatever it was, earlier. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper instead. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. And it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you are buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. And if you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? Again, the team needs this guy. That's not debatable. They can't get where they want to go without this guy. So if he's not in a good way, you need to hear him out. I'm just really confused what he's this put out over. And his post on IG last night clarified nothing. Quote, I just be letting people cap. If them lies, hope you sleep better. Tell them, big dog. Again. You know, I love it, kind of, cryptic. But, my man, who are you talking about? Who's capping? Who's lying? McDermott, Josh Allen, your agent, the media. I mean, my guy, just say it. Just say what you got to say, my dude. Why are you communicating in social media riddles? And maybe the Bills do need to do a better job of communicating. But you know what it looks like to me? It looks like everybody needs to do a better job of communicating. It kind of looks like y'all suck at communication. 
which is why we are where we are. Now, the good news is, Mafia, Vaughn does not seem all that concerned. Josh Allen seemed pretty confident that things would work themselves out. And we are in the middle of June, not say the middle of August. Week one is still months away, not weeks away. Plenty of time to get this, whatever the hell this is, straightened out. But I will say it's a really strange start to a really critical season. And not exactly turning the page from that disappointing end of last season. Seems like more of a continuation. Seems like maintaining that same exact trajectory and vibe, which is not good. That's not what anybody wanted. You want to get beyond that. And that's sure as hell not going to get this team beyond the Bengals or the Chiefs. So we have no idea exactly what's going on behind the scenes in Orchard Park right now. But it almost feels like Diggs blew into that facility this week, straight up channeling Rick in Buffalo vibes. Now you'll have to forgive me for my raspy voice, Jim. I spent all day at the stadium yesterday yelling at people, most notably Bill's offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. This idiot calls plays like he's hammered playing Super Techno Bowl at 3 in the morning. Okay, Josh, drop back, heave it as far as you can, and we'll pray for a miraculous leaping catch. Hey, Waldo, feel free to mix in a crossing route, well-designed screen, or anything else that doesn't take three years to develop. I called for McDermott's head after the playoff loss against KC, but now I'm demanding for it. And how in the hell does the head coach not grab every single DB by the face mask before that fourth and 18 prayer and scream, knock it down or pack your effing bags? Time for me to throw on the headset, Jim. I'll turn this damn thing around in a friggin' flash. The R.I.B. Rick and Buffalo, if you need him. In fact, there's a lot more where that came from. You're going to hear a lot more of that during Rick's player profile later today. I'm not even teasing it without teasing it. I'm saying it straight up. That's the guy. And what better day for it than today? That's right, Mafia. Enormous day in the jungle for you. And I can at least promise you this much. Rick's profile is going to be a hell of a lot more enjoyable for you than whatever the hell that circus was yesterday. You knew you had a problem. You should have addressed it much sooner, and you should have never let it get to this point. So fix it, because most of you, I'm talking about people within the organization and or on that team, most of you, a lot of you are on the clock, and it does say here that there are some prominent members of that team and organization that are not going to survive another curb stomping should it happen once again this postseason. Get on the same page. Get it right. You know, the thing that you should have done months ago. Man, this whole thing is so wild. Like Stefan, he wants to be at Buffalo practice about as much as Jokic wants to be at a parade. When is parade? When is parade? When is practice? (laughs) What is mandatory? When is parade? Uh... Josh. So Josh Allen says, man, I still love my guy. I freaking love my guy. And it's not football related. What is it? If you love your guy and it's not football related, what the hell set him off? 
What set Stefan off? Did Josh park in his parking space? Did they have lunch? And did Josh not pay his fair share of the bill? Maybe Diggs got pissed at Josh's taste in S-tier Mexican cuisine, and is still bitter about that. Have you been to Javier's? Oh, yeah. I've so been you a know. few times. All right, yeah. so really quickly, so they know, because all I do is talk about Javier, my guy Javier. It, does this live up to the hype? Is that not the best place? It, it, I don't know Wait. about the best place, but it's up there. Uh-huh. Have you tried south of Nick's? I have not. Okay, that's it's. There's one in Laguna, and then there's one in San Clemente. Oh yeah, no, okay, yes, okay. yes, I have. In Laguna, I, I have. I, I love Javier's, but I think I might take take South the Knicks over it. I might be crazy. Though. Respectfully, dude, you'd be wrong, but you get you you are entitled to your choice, no matter how wrong it is, dude. But I appreciate it. I'll let you win this one. Thanks, big dude. Thanks for letting me win. You didn't let me win anything, big dude. I like South the Knicks. And I have since been to the one also in San Clemente. Tommy went. We talked about it, too. It's a good spot. It's a good hang. Man, it is not Javier's. Maybe that's what Steph is so pissed about. If that's what he's pissed about, that's a reason to go. That's a reason to skip practice. If Stephon Diggs said, yo, bro, I cannot believe you sent me to South of Knicks instead of Javier's. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. What kind of recommendation is that? You say we're fam. You say you're, you bleeping love me, and you send me to South of Knicks. I should have listened to Rome. I don't know Wait. about the best place, but it's up there. Uh-huh. Oh, I know. I know about the best place, bro. I don't know. Maybe it's not that. <laughs> but if it is that, that would explain everything. But maybe it's, I don't know, smack off related. Maybe Diggs is a big Caleb guy, and maybe Josh is a big Ifrady honk, and they're still bitter about the result? Or maybe it's all on Stefan. Maybe he and his extended family are going through graduation season and he's just annoyed with life. I know people like that. No names mentioned. Me. Graduation season is exhausting. And have you ever, ever heard me say I'm tired? Never. Never. I mean, I am sometimes, but you never hear me complain about it. But I am now. Graduation season is exhausting. Maybe it's that. Hey, Bills fan, I can sit here and speculate all day long. I don't really know. I think that whole South of Knicks v. Javier's thing is the best explanation. But if you know otherwise, let me know. You know where to find me. I'm not hard to find, Bills Mafia. U.S. Cellular has some great news, especially for you, person listening to this podcast. Right now, you can get one line with unlimited data for just $29.99. So, unlike other cell networks, you won't have to pay for lines you don't need just to get a good price. Get one line for $29.99 with unlimited data today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms do apply. Visit uscellular.com for details. But find me a better decision in recent memory than to stick a National Hockey League team in Vegas. <laughs> or professional sports, for that matter, in Vegas. It was not that long ago that it seemed like an utter impossibility. But hockey in particular, because they're doing really well. Football, not as much. Hockey, extremely well. Find me a better call. I'll wait. Now, I'm probably going to have to wait a long time. Putting a hockey team in Vegas ought to get a reverse LT hammer because it actually was a great call. I love that call. 
it could not have worked out any better for them or the league. That is the reverse LT hammer. It's been a while. It's been a while since we reversed that. In case you missed it yesterday, we did reverse the fat alarm. And that was skinny as hell, man. That was shredded. That was swole. The reverse fat alarm was swole and thin and lean and mean. Cut. Look how cut that is. Man, just like this. Anyway, the Golden Knights, they went straight. (laughs) Thanks, Javi. Trying to make a point here. They went to the Stanley Cup final in year one. And then ownership was like, all right, we're going to win it all in three years. And I think the players were thinking, dude, I mean, that's a lot. But they actually did win it in year six. And although the rules did change and it kind of set it up so it made it more likely, it takes nothing away from it. They won a Stanley Cup in year six. It's incredible. I always say the Stanley Cup playoffs are the most grueling playoffs in all pro sports. I'm going to stand by that. And the reason I say that is because they are. The Stanley Cup itself is the hardest championship trophy to actually get your hands on. And I'm going to stand by that too for one reason. Because it is. Except not for these guys. The Cup might be the toughest thing to win, but nobody's ever made it look easier than the Golden Knights. I mean, they were in the final in their first year. They did win the whole thing in year six. It's only fitting that they would close out a dominant playoff run with a dominant closeout victory. 9-3 last night. I mean, this thing was over practically before it started. I'm not sure I've ever seen a team cruise to a cup the way this team just cruised to the cup. Realize that there are still 11 teams. Let me check this. Check this for data. Take this for data. There are still 11 teams that have never won the cup. And these dudes... Took it down in six years. And not only that, but a team in Vegas? Vegas! Imagine how Canada is feeling right now. Greatest sports town ever. Greatest tourist town ever. Vegas. Atlantic City didn't want any of that. Solvang didn't want any of that. Disneyland didn't want any of that. Imagine how Canada must feel right about now. It's their national sport. It's an obsession. Practically a religion. And let me think. I think they have like seven NHL franchises. And not a single one of them has lifted the glorious Chalice. Chalice. In three decades. Yet Vegas blows into the league out of nowhere and did it in six years. I mean, I'm not going to say they weren't really smart in the way they built that, but did they just go to McCarran and wait at the carousel and just pull 15 guys out of there? It feels like it. Now, like, I'm happy for you, Vegas fan, but y'all have absolutely no clue how lucky you are or how great that is or how amazing it is. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm watching the games. The energy in that building is absolutely incredible. But typically, winning the cup is the outpouring of pent-up emotion. Why do you think guys get so crazy around the cup? Because they grow up on these tiny little farms. 
in the middle of nowhere. They leave home. They go play for some junior team somewhere and spend their entire life worshiping and respecting the cup with the hopes that small, infinitesimal chance that they get their name on it like everybody else who's ever won it. Yet Vegas blows through, and six years in, they've already done it. You normally have this explosion of years. Well, why do you think that whole Maple Leaf thing was so incredible this year when they finally took a step, a series, a series? The Maple Leafs, not, not Vegas. Normally there's an explosion of years and years of frustration and futility. It all evaporates in this one glorious moment when that final horn hits. Unfortunately, they had like a four-goal lead with seven minutes left in the second period. So it wasn't like it came down and built to this crescendo. Like that was a a beat down at a curb stomping. But I got to tell you, and I'm not saying it was easy. I know that Vegas would tell you we had to make some really hard decisions. We had some people that we brought in early on that meant a lot to us. We had to break them off. It's been kind of ruthless at times. I'm not saying it's been easy. I'm not saying that it's been seamless. I know there have been some tough, tough choices and some tough, tough moments. I also know it only took six years. It's just not that much time. How many peaks and valleys can there be in six years? It's not 60 years. Six. And, you know, from that standpoint, the journey has been perfectly Las Vegas. Like, you ever notice when you go to Vegas, and I don't go like I used to. Back in the day, DJ and I would go three times a year religiously. Could never get enough of Vegas. And every time you went, there'd be something new. Always something new. Like, that hole in the ground, when I was here three months ago, was a hole in the ground. And now there's an 8,000-room hotel that's going through the clouds. Like, seemingly overnight. That was kind of like the Golden Knights. Seemingly overnight. I don't know. That was more of a coronation than a hockey game, right? More like a 20,000-person Vegas rager because it was over early on. And then the party was on. You know, sometimes when these games end or a series ends, the party starts with three minutes left, five minutes left. That party felt like that started last week. And they partied all week long. Panthers just overmatched. And not only from the start of the series, and then they were, as good a year as they had, but Matthew Kachuk held out of the game last night. When we found out that he was not going to go, you knew they had no chance. And come to find out, what was it that could keep that guy out of that game? Had to have been pretty serious. (laughs) Pretty serious it was. A broken sternum. This dude had been playing game four with a broken sternum. He suffered the injury in Game 3, which means he scored the game-tying goal to send that game into overtime with a broken sternum. I mean, hockey players, dude. Hockey players. No shame in the Panthers' effort. No shame. Like, no shame in the Miami Heat's effort. The better team won. The better team won. Compare playing with a broken sternum to load management. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled 
All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. 16 days. Man, I have never, ever recalled a smack-off season blowing through like this one. 16 days. That's all the time there is between now and smack-off 29 on June 30th. So, you want to get in and you want to rip a golden ticket off this giant stack. It's not an imaginary stack. It's an actual stack that I've got right here before it's too late. Before it's too late because it's getting late fast. But there still is some quality crunch time left in smack off season. Still time to RSVP. Still time to send in a prediction to air on the simulcast. Time to make big plans for the day of and time to enjoy some more player profiles. Time to make big plans. Make big plans. We should rehearse that, Alvin. Usually we're good enough. Anyway, still time. So I've got a player profile, and this time I didn't go with the blind tease. I just said it straight up. It's Rick. The player profile goes to the unofficial declarer of smack-off season. I didn't give him that job. He just took it. He bestowed it upon himself. So therefore, therefore, he gets a profile today. It's my dude, the R.I.B. Rick in Buffalo. And lastly, Jim, everyone knows it isn't smack-off season till Rick in Buffalo says... It's smack-off season. So let's go ahead and make it official. It's smack-off season. Now come get some, you little bitches. He said everybody knows. I mean, I'm the host, and I didn't know. But I do now. Because that is the unmistakable voice of the RIB. And if you couldn't already tell by that voice, there is nobody else in the jungle like my dude Rick. Nobody is angrier. Nobody is more intense. Nobody runs smack like Rick. And that's how Rick has risen through the jungle ranks from a relative newcomer to one of the smack-off heavyweights in just a few years' time. He's kind of like the Golden Knights of the jungle. Case in point, Stucknut currently has Rick at 5-1 to to win it on the 30th. Pretty good value, if you ask me. Five to one to win it, even though he's never won it before. So maybe you think that's not good value. Believe it or not, Rick has only ever even hit the podium once. He had a second place finish in 2019. But the RIB has odds like that because the RIB demands R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Because everybody knows He's a major player and a major contender, no matter how much you hate the guy. And he doesn't care how much you hate him. In fact, he loves that you hate him. He runs on that fuel. Everybody knows that on his best day, he absolutely could rip a strap. Because the dude is hilarious, and the dude is fiery, and the dude is red-assed. And absolutely nobody is safe when this dude picks up the phone. I'm fair game. The XR4TI is fair game. The show is fair game. The deceased are fair game. 
Hell, his own family is fair game. His own family is likely. In fact, Rick razzing the hell out of his own family members is actually a staple of the R.I.B. brand. If being old, fat, and stupid is all it takes to be a major league ump, I'm going to have my old man wire his resume tomorrow. Three Raptors fans in May turned into three million diehards in June. My skank mother-in-law even went up for the parade. This drunk bitch is going on 70 and still wants to party like it's Woodstock 69. And there's no bigger a-hole Yankee fan out there than my old man. I didn't bring my entire family, just my wife and my girlfriend. Ever since the first time I played catch with my old man, I've had a deep affinity for lovable fat guys. Poor road rage with the kids in the back seat. It's never too early to teach them not to take crap from anyone. This dude is so good. He's even brought that same energy to the smack off itself. When he paid tribute to his late father who was also a huge fan of the show, by roasting the hell out of him in the main event. People keep asking me, Jim, when are we going to get to meet your fat-ass old man? That son of a bitch dropped dead in January. And people say dreams don't come true. I'm not saying I hated my old man. Actually, that's exactly what I'm saying. Hey, Rick, can you bring over a pizza? Hey, Rick, the Twinkie Bowl's getting low. Hey, Rick... I'm out of Slim Jims and Diet Coke. Hey, Pops, can you leave me the hell alone for five friggin' seconds? Warn my fat-ass old man being the chicken wing king post-mortem. That's if they serve chicken wings in hell. Unworked grown men who say their fathers are their best friends. Get some real friends, you friggin' losers. I don't know, maybe it's me, but I guess that's how Rick says, I love you. This is also why I do love this dude. He's not just angry. He's not just ruthless. He's fearless. Like, he'll go right at the BIC just as quickly as he'll go after one of his own family members. And one last thing before getting out, Jim. I want to wish Brad and Corona the best of luck today. Not on his call, but on trying to convince his kids he's still working from home. As a parent, there's no tougher question than, Daddy... Why have all the other fathers gone back to work and you're still sitting on your ass all day? Sorry, Brad, but even your kids know rubbing grandma's bunions and scrubbing the crap stains out of grandpa's underwear isn't called work. It's called being mom's bitch. And a little later today, Bradley, you're going to be my bitch. And trust me, my tidy whiteies ain't no picnic either. War the lie. My dude, the R.I.B. can hang with anybody in the jungle full stop. And I fully expect him to contend come the 30th. The real question is, is this the year that Rick goes from one of, if not the best, to never win it to an actual smack-off champion? It's going to take a great call on a big day, but Rick has more than proven at this point that he's got the skill set, he's got all the tools, he's got what it takes, he is built for this. With all due respect, James Phillip, it ain't smack-off season, 
till Rick in Buffalo says it's smack-off season. John in New York. I love how this loser starts every one of his calls, saying the show's so funny, he almost drives his truck right off the road. Hey, John, do us all a favor and finish the job. Your wife will secretly celebrate, and your kids will be a lot better off. Just when I thought Left in Laguna couldn't get any softer, he's all over Twitter saying he's a wine connoisseur. Well, guess what, Left? I'm an a-hole connoisseur, and I sniffed you out pretty quickly. I'm not into weigh-ins. I'm not into banana hammocks. I'm not into glamour shots, and I'm not into empty threats. I'm here for one thing and one thing only, the fight. I may sound like I'm 80, but I got the robustness and bedroom prowess of a 20-year-old. Just ask Vic and no Kale's old lady. She'll be thrilled to tell you all about it. What's wrong, Left? Another writer's strike in Southern California, Kyle Brandt. Good morning, football. Are you kidding me, dude? I tell you what I think, but like every other football fan... I've never seen the show. I'm flying so high today, Jim. Not even the sight of Hawk's ugly face can bring me down. Nick's no longer the Broadway Joe guaranteeing Super Bowl wins. He's the drunken idiot throwing himself all over Susie Colbert. Nick's like the old family dog who you finally got to put down. You feel terrible about it. But when all he's doing is running into walls and peeing on the carpet, there's no other choice. Okay, Jim, that's all I got. Yeah, right, I'm just getting warmed up. You loser. You hack. You fat ass. You sociopath. You scumbag. God, you're a loser. Fat boy. Don't come get some, you bitches. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. That is the R.I.B. Rick and Buffalo. One of the best, if not the best, to never win it. Four top tens. A runner-up in Smack Off 25. And all he has left to do now is answer the question, will he win a strap before his beloved Bills win a Super Bowl or will they both be locked in perpetual misery for all of time? No pressure, my guy. Looking forward to your call on the 30th. In fact, I can't wait for it. Can't wait. Can't wait for that day. We go to Southeast Wisco. Chris... What's going on, Chris? Jim, how you doing, brother? Good, dude. You? Hey, listen, man, it's the biggest day in the jungle approaches. It's time to get busy or get out. Specifically, you, fleeing a V. You started on Twitter, so stay in your lane, my man. This life is not for you. Calling the show with your bachelor trip stories is corny and boring. Brother, this is a sports talk show, not a social media chat room, you candy ass. I can't take your awful sports takes anymore. Where do I begin? You're a classic example of a bandwagon Laker fan. You bash the guy that has scored the most points in the history of the NBA. Bron is the Lakers, dude. You criticize Palenka, who revamped the team prior to the trade deadline. That's what got him into the playoffs. And then you just pivoted and switched teams, becoming a fanboy of the Heat, predicting they would win in the finals in five games. That had me rushing to the window to bet Denver in exactly five games. So thanks for the additional cash, even though I don't need it. Calling me a bitch time after time is not going to get you in the smack off. Jim will soon be getting his receipt in the mail for his charitable gift that he can claim on his taxes for that golden ticket you temporarily hold. For that golden ticket, 
is not going to come to fruition. Jim, I want Flea and the V's golden ticket. We're the inevitable. Elvin running Flea and the V's golden ticket through the wood chipper now. Will Brinson is a CBS Sports senior writer. He's host of the Pick 6 podcast. Jim, what's going on, man? Hope you're doing well. I'm doing great, dude. How about you? How you living? I can't complain too much. It's a beautiful sunny day in North Carolina, and uh, you know we got a uh, we got you know, a little we got the time of the year where the NFL slows down just enough, and we get to focus on I don't know Stephon Diggs not at minicamp. Yeah, exactly. We thought I thought Will that I had this extensive line of questioning regarding Stephon Diggs in minicamp, like he was there, he was not there. It's very concerning, but then he showed up today, and all seems better. Bottom line, when you first heard this story, what was your initial reaction? I sort of thought that it, you know, the, the, the biggest question was, is there something going on with Diggs and Josh Allen or Diggs and Ken Dorsey or Diggs and Sean McDermott? Like, is there something that's fractured there with those relationships? Because if that's the case, then it's a bigger problem, right? If it's simply Stephon Diggs wants to let everybody know that he wants to get paid again. You know, get, so Diggs' contract, when you look at it, he's, I mean, I'm not – completely untradeable, but basically untradeable for two years. Um, he's got two years when the Bills could get out of the deal after that. Like, he can't really cut him for the next two years either. But it's, he's in the age where if he wants one more big bite of the apple, it probably has to happen sooner rather than later. And I think it might be a case of Stephon Diggs is thinking, all right, I want to get – I want to get. It's either, it's either he's got a fractured relationship with somebody, which seems unlikely if he's already back, or – it's a case of he wants to go ahead and get that restructured so he knows he has more guaranteed money in the future, which I think is probably the case. Remember, we sort of saw this in Minnesota, too, with him, where you know, he wanted to get paid, and then there was some sort of quiet, under-the-radar buzz that he wasn't happy, and then the trade happens to Buffalo. So I tend to think it's probably more of that than anything else. Will Brinson joining us. See, this is what I can't figure out. Like, it would seem like it's not money in the sense that he got that deal in April of 2022, but I see your point. And then Josh Allen himself said it's not football. So if it's not football and it's not money, then what is it? Or to your other point, if there's some kind of fractured relationship between he and Josh Allen or he and Ken Dorsey, that was already pre-existing, right? That didn't happen this week. Why was that not addressed sooner? In other words, shouldn't this whole thing have been handled in a better manner? Yeah, exactly. If, if it is a fractured relationship or something like that, and, you know, I mean, like, the, you know, we're, we're sort of we're jumping to conclusions here, but – you know, you look at the, the three years in Buffalo, 166 targets, 164 targets in the two years of Brian Dable, 154 last year. He still had 108 catches and 1,400 yards and 11 touchdowns. Like he has, I mean, the production there is – there's nothing about his production that would indicate that, you know, this is a case of somebody who isn't being used enough, right? Um, if it is a fractured relationship, relationship it, you know, I'm with you. Like, it should have been handled – Earlier in the offseason, they shouldn't be allowed to fester on through minicamp. I sort of wonder if it, it like, you know, there's a, maybe a case of, you remember like when the Bulls couldn't beat the, couldn't beat the Pistons in the 90s, like, you know, you always, sure. you know, the, the team we always reference. And it's like, at some point there just becomes this, 
like maybe he like maybe he's fed up with not being able to get past the Chiefs, and like that frustration is boiling over into into different areas where the Bills feel like they're always going to play second fiddle to Kansas City as and as such. Like it, it, the, the the competitive nature of it just turns into frustration between teammates, between coaching you know, the coaching staff and teammates, something like that. I, I sort of wonder if there maybe is a little bit of that lingering. Maybe so. And certainly I think those will close to Stefan Diggs would tell you that's what that is. Like he wants to win so badly and he doesn't like the direction they're going in. He doesn't like some of the choices or decisions they've made. You know, I would counter that with, yeah, but there's so many guys in that locker room that so badly want to win. They have to be so frustrated too. Why is he any different than them? Yeah, I mean, he's not. I mean, you know, he's the, he's the alpha receiver on the team for sure. But, you know, this is a, it's a team that, has I think done an incredible job building up the roster and getting it, you know, in a position where they can make a run and, and, and that, yeah, the AFC is stacked and it feels like it, it maybe it's part of, you know, they, they were the favorites to win the Super Bowl last year and felt like, you know, the, the, you know, just whatever mistakes were made either with roster building or coaching is like bold, you know, bold over into his, into his dealing with, you know, the, 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 the company, you know, dealing with the management, if you will. And I, and, if that's the case, that's a man. That makes me a little nervous about the Bills heading into twenty twenty three too. And I agree with you. Like he, he shouldn't be any different. He's you know he should be. He's just another guy on the roster, even though his status is as a as, a, as an alpha receiver is higher. It, but it's like you got to be all in. It's you know one of those guys on that roster if you want to actually end up winning the Super Bowl. Look no further than the Chiefs, who did it without Tyreek Hill. And if if that sort of stuff is festering around the Bills, it makes me a little nervous. For, for them, especially with the Dolphins looking pretty good and Aaron Rodgers coming to town. So, Will, one more thought about that. Will Brinson joining us. I agree with you. I think that they've built that thing really well. I think that's a really smart front office, a really smart front office, yeah. a really good roster, which kind of brings me to the coach who we've always thought really highly of in Sean McDermott. Do you think that he's on any kind of thin ice or a shorter leash, or how critical is this year to him personally, the coach? I, I thought it was really interesting when in 2020, remember, I obviously remember when the, the win game with the Patriots where Belichick wore the Navy mask beforehand when he's doing the interview with Tracy Wilson and then ran the ball like 60 times. And it shook McDermott so bad that, you know, he was like still like, still like angst ridden at halftime the next week against Tampa Bay when, when they were trailing the Buccaneers. And you just sort of wonder if he's so stoic and, and calm and goes about his business in a very professional manner and, and tries not to get too high or too low, but you sort of wonder if like the, the, you know, the 13 seconds against Kansas city, um, you know, losing, you know, the, you know, you have the DeMar Hamlin stuff that happens in the regular season. Then you lose the, the Bengals in the postseason. They like, it's, like, it's just all this sort of building up in, in a way that it's always made it tough to win, you know, like a championship in Buffalo and, now it feels like it's even tougher because the AFC is so tough. I don't think he's on any sort of thin ice. I do think that, you know, for the most part, he and Brandon Bean worked together. Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean worked together, and they came together from Carolina. But, you know, we've seen it. Sometimes even those, even the best partnerships, you know, the, the power structure can shift in, in, in an NFL front office or an NFL building, and that can kind of change how things operate. So, I, I I think he's fine. He's won too much there. You know, the Bills, what they were before, the 15 years before McDermott got there, I mean, you know, they barely you know, made the playoffs like once, I think, or sniffed it with Doug Marone. And so, like, it, it is a case of you're reassessing your expectations here. And 
you know, sometimes that can be good. Sometimes that's bad. And sometimes the expectations become too high. And, you know, maybe it's a case of if they struggle again in the postseason, we start to ask questions next year. Will Brinson is a CBS Sports senior writer. He's host of the Pick 6 podcast. He joins us for a few more moments. So, Will, before you go, what do you make of Saquon Barkley's situation? Like, he's not happy with his contractual situation. How much leverage do you think he really has? And then how do you see that playing out? I don't think he has a lot, Jim. I mean, of course, you, you're not going to get fined because you're on the franchise tag and he hadn't signed the tender yet, and that's, you know, that's the good news for him. One of the issues here is, I mean, look at what Le'Veon Bell said. after his. You know, Le'Veon Bell has come out and said, I wish I never held out on that franchise tag because you give up that, you know, you're giving up a huge chunk of guaranteed money. You're giving up an entire year of your prime, and there's almost no way that this, you know, the only way that the team, I think the biggest point of leverage he probably has is, ownership and when you think about how they handled the daniel jones take on barkley stuff they you know they paid daniel jones that, that deal at the last minute so they could franchise tag barkley right and i think personally that it was very much ownership saying we love 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 these two players they they believe they're you know blue chip stars you're asking them in the top 10 of course both of them and that they wanted to make sure both were on the roster in 2023 as such you know, the, the move should have been in a vacuum is you let Saquon walk and, and test the market, and then you, you know, you tag Daniel Jones and work out a better deal. But because they got into this spot, they now got a happy Daniel Jones and an angry Saquon Barkley who believes that he should start having this big running back contract. And if, you know, if we believe that the, I mean, we have to, like, Joe Shane comes from Buffalo, right? Look at what they've done at the running back position. They haven't invested heavily in it, they use draft picks, they get cheap guys it seems highly unlikely that this front office is going to want to pay Saquon Barkley. And I think if, you know, if he wants to, if he wants to hit the market, he's going to have to play this year on the franchise tag. Will Brinson joining us. Will, what do you make of DeAndre Hopkins visiting with the Patriots today? Do you like that fit for either one of them? Ultimately, where do you think he ends up? I, Jim, I think that the fact that he went, checked out the Titans and the Patriots tells you that this is, not a not a guy who is going is is getting the offers and the interest that he thought he might get when he hit the open market. You Agreed. know, he wanted to get traded because he he felt like he would pull off the same move that happened when he was traded from Houston to Arizona. Get traded and get a monster contract. That didn't you know, it worked out okay for the Cardinals. Obviously, they ended up having to cut him and eat some dead money. But there's just not as much interest in these bigger. You know, Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Hopkins, these guys on the open market. You know, they're, they're big names. They're stars, like borderline Hall of Fame guys, uh, Hopkins for sure. And But they're still, you know, veterans who are past their, their peak of their prime who want big money, and teams aren't going to want to shell out right now. And so I think the Patriots fit could be pretty good. They need, they need a true number one receiver. He's not going to stretch the field vertically the way that they've needed somebody to for, for a long time, really, frankly, since like Randy Moss. But, I mean, you know, he's still, he's still a very capable receiver. It just would be, you know, if, if Belichick brings him in cheap, it'd be one thing because that would be very Belichickian of him, right? We saw him do it with, like, Chad Johnson and Albert Hainsworth and Corey Dillon, like the, the, the whole host of guys. If Belichick pays him a ton of money, I think it's a major red flag because this is the guy who loves to get out a year early rather than a year late. And I, I think 
with Hopkins, you're at least approaching a year late faster than you are a year early. Will Princeton joining us. Will, got to ask you before you go, Aaron Rodgers is still enjoying every single moment of the New York experience. He was at the Tony Awards on Sunday. His head coach, Robert Sala, says he's never been around a quarterback like Aaron who can make every single throw. You know, he's missed a few practices, but it seems like that Jets hype train is rolling at full speed with no breaks, and we're only in June. Where would you put the Jets among Super Bowl contenders? I mean, they're up there as like the contenders, Jim, for sure. I, I think I'm a little hesitant to jump in on it just because that hype train is so out of control. Like, I'd rather buy the Bills than buy the than buy the Jets personally. If I'm if I'm buying stock in AFC East teams, and um, you know, I, I can be the Dolphins have a really good roster. They, the offensive line's turning into two of problems. I think it's gonna be tougher to make a, a deep run than than they think. My, the big red flag I have with Rodgers here is like. Like what if I mean what if I like like move to Texas and I just start like riding bulls and going to rodeos and like like he's like could this guy be doing anything like everything he's he's doing everything possible super New Yorky to try like he goes from Wisconsin to New York and he's just he's everywhere he's like doing every like the Taylor Swift show one thing but you know like the Tony Awards what what do we this is this is like this guy is like. He went, to, he went to Wicked on Broadway, Jim. Like, what, what is happening here? <laughs> it's pretty funny, actually. All right, but but better than Brian Kelly showing up in the bayou with some fake accent, right? <laughs> More believable than that. My well, what, family. My family. One last thought, Will. I got, I got a question for you. How about John Harbaugh? <laughs> John Harbaugh compared the Ravens adding Odell Beckham Jr. to Terrell Owens joining the Eagles when he was on the coaching staff in Philly from the perspective of bringing in a big personality who is committed to winning. What are realistic expectations for Odell this season after he missed all of last season with that torn ACL, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, maybe the personality works for that. Uh, I don't know that the T.O., the comp necessarily works for that. Although I guess, you know, 31 years old when, when T.O. showed up. I mean, look, I think, man, I'm high on the Ravens this year. They have a really easy schedule relative to the other ASDE contenders. Um, you know, they get Lamar now back in the fold, fully engaged. You bring in Odell, who, like, Odell, I mean, Odell was a difference maker for the Rams. When, when he got knocked out in the Super Bowl, they, that's when the Bengals, it looked like the Rams are going to blow the doors off of the Bengals, and then Odell got hurt, and that really changed their offense. So the Todd Munkin addition, man, I think it's going to be fascinating. You know, you think about his, you know, his brother Jeff, who, who works at Army, runs a triple option. And I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a former offensive lineman who was saying that, you know, in theory, the triple option and the air raid are really kind of the same thing. You have three choices that one guy is making, right? And I, I could see a situation where Todd Munkin sort of blends air raid and blends the triple option and tries to just unleashes this offense where you got Zay Flowers running horizontally. You got Odell out there. You know, maybe Rashad Bateman comes back and looks a little bit better, although I think, you know, some, some concerns injury wise with him. I, I, I am very high on the Ravens this year and think uh, if Odell is Odell, they could actually, like, he could take it to the next level. Um, I, I'm still a little hesitant just because of the number of games he's played. But this, this offense could be really explosive. I think what you just said is very interesting. So leave me with one last thought. It's the middle of June. Have you hit your early future bets for the upcoming season? Anything that we can think about? Anything we might want to jump on? What have you hit so far? Yeah, so I like the Bills to win the AFC East. It reminds me um, – 
they're plus 125 at Caesars now. I think it was like 130. I think I I talked it down five cents. I've talked about it so much. But it reminds me of Kansas City last year closing at plus 160 to win the AFC West, which is a joke in hindsight. Um, The Bills, too. Like, I think the Bills are the best team in the division. Obviously, you know, Miami and New York could be problems, and, and the Patriots still lingering. But plus money for Buffalo there is pretty good. Lamar Jackson's uh, MVP odds maybe have dropped too far at this point where you'd want to jump on them. But I, I, you know, the, the Ravens, to, you know, Ravens are get the 20, like high 20s, I think, in terms of Super Bowl odds. And it's a team where people, people just aren't high on them because there's so many other content. Like the Jets factor, the, the Jets and the Dolphins, like if people's interested in the Dolphins, or why you can buy in on the Bills or why you can buy in on other AFC teams because it's just like last year when the Chargers and the Raiders and the Broncos went all in. Um, I think there's good value to be had there. I, I wish, I really wish Trevor Lawrence's MVP odds weren't 15 to 1. It's a ridiculous number. Uh, I'd, I'd love to buy in on him. I think he's going to have a, a monster year in year two of, of not Urban Meyer. Uh, so pretty bullish on the Jaguars as well. Um, and then uh, the, the two teams I think that are, are really good prices in the NFC. Falcons and the Panthers. Um, I like both their overs, and I think I'd take them. You can take them both if you do the math right to win the division. Frank Reich is a massive upgrade over over Matt Rule. Like it can't be overstated in that coaching staff he brought in. And then you also have in Atlanta, you bring B. John Robinson in. I think they're going to try and be like a Tennessee light team and, and win a bunch of games 16-13, which is a little nervous. But if that defense is good enough, they can pull it off. I like it. I like it. How about one more? Do you have any interest at all? In the Browns at forty to one, I I don't, but I like I don't want to. I'm already in the I'm in the dog doghouse with the with the dog pound right now. They think I I had them going seven and ten um, when the like when I did my I ran all the the win loss records for CBSSports.com obviously, and the Browns fans freak the heck out, which is I, I get it. Like if Deshaun if Deshaun is Deshaun. And that offense is clicking. They can they can roll. They have a really good roster. It's just a really tough division, a tough schedule. You're going to get some ugly win games in there. And I'm just I need to see it from Watson before I completely buy in. But forty to one, not a terrible number. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Will. I think I have a hard time believing that that guy's ever going to be anywhere near what he yeah. once was. But he can certainly be better than he's been since he came back. But the, I mean, he be- he's got to be better. He than has to be year. right. Has to be. Has to be. Yeah, if, 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 he's, if he's not, it's a major problem for the Browns that people are getting fired. No doubt. He is a CBS sports senior writer and the host of the Pick 6 podcast. Good friend of the program. He is Will Brinson. Will, great job. Appreciate you so much, man. Thank you. Always fun, Jim. Thanks, man. Good night now!